Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. And again, good morning, church. And thank you for being here on Father's Day. Can we show some love to the dads in the room? Thank you, dads, for being here. We are believing that you have a... A great Father's Day, and uh, I want to say Happy Father's Day to my father-in-law right here, and uh, also to my dad who could not be here today because he is helping one of his other sons uh, move to Colorado. And I don't know if it was intentional by my brother to to schedule that on Father's Day. I felt like that was a dirty move by him, and so. But anyways, we got to spend time with him earlier this week before they headed out. Um, anyways, today we are going to continue our series on the Holy Spirit called power. Now, when we're talking about power, I'm not talking about soul power. I'm not talking about the power of love. I'm not talking about fighting the power. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. We have been intentionally uh, creating a, a sermon series based around the power that comes through the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, when Jesus was, when he was ascending to the Father, he said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. So we're continuing in the sermon series. And I, I want to just take a moment to dispel the rumor going around that we've been intentionally creating these series titles based on rap and hip-hop songs. That's not true. It's been an accident. I know Power, Kanye, God's Plan, uh, you know, um, I'm blanking on his name, but uh, Drake, thank you. Um, and so I just want to make sure we know that's not actually what's happening. And on an unrelated note, we're going to be moving into a new series in a few weeks on being clothing ourselves out of the garments of sin. It's called Lose Yourself. And so anyways, <laughs> if that Eminem joke went over your head, it's okay. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Uh, I've got a few dad jokes today throughout the sermon. I hope that's okay. It felt appropriate on a day like today. Uh, it was the power of the Holy Spirit that we're talking about today. Jesus promised this power to the disciples. And last week, we looked at the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus before Pentecost. And now today, we're going to look for the next three weeks in the book of Acts of the church after the day of Pentecost. And, and so today we're starting in Acts chapter 6. And this takes place after Peter and the apostles have performed signs and wonders and, and people believed. And now, because of these signs, the church is beginning to grow. And just like with anything, when there's growth, there are growing pains. Let's see what the growing pains of the early church were in Acts chapter 6. Let's read verse 1 together. It says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. All right, so the disciples were increasing. And with that increase, there was a need for more administration. That there was a need for systems. A lot of times we don't realize when there's growth, we need systems in place to sustain that growth. We think, oh, if we've got growth, we just need more goals, more goals, more goals. I love how James Clear says it in his, in his book, Atomic Habits. He says, you do not rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the levels of your systems. You've got goals to, you know, to get in better shape, to, to be able to, uh, to lose calories. If you have a, that goal, but you don't have any systems in place to help you get that goal, you're not going to get there. 
or you'll get there for a moment and then you'll decline. Right? If you want that goal, you need a system of an accountability partner. You need a system of an app that's a nuisance to you and you have to type in the calories that you're consuming. We need systems. The disciples realized they needed systems put in place. From a business standpoint, they, they need systems to sustain that growth because there was a complaint by the Hellenists. Now let me explain that the Hellenists, they were simply Greek-speaking Jews. So there was a language barrier that took place because of the increase in disciples, the original disciples and the newer disciples. And from what I read, this was not an intentional neglect. They were, there was not an intentional a desire to keep them out, to disregard their widows. This was a reasonable complaint. And, and so simply there were no systems in place to make sure that they weren't taken care of. So the disciples came up with a system to fit this problem. Let's read verses 2 through 4. It says, And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The system that they choose that they chose was to circle around seven godly men to bring them on board to serve. Seven men. And today's message is entitled The Magnificent Seven. Felt like it was appropriate on Father's Day to name this after a 1960s Western film. The Magnificent Seven. Let's look today at what happens when the power of the Holy Spirit falls on godly men. Are you ready? Oh my goodness. Are you ready? Give me a heart attack. It's like no one's listening. Let me start back with the disciples. They said it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, I know this sentence can come across as pretentious or arrogant, like they were sounding like they were too good, they were too important to serve. But I believe the manner in which this was presented was not saying they were too good to serve. They were saying that prayer and preaching of the Word of God effectively was too important to dilute. It's important that we get that straight. Remember in your own life, when there's things that get busy, when things get hectic, you cannot be too busy to read the Word of God. You cannot be too busy to pray. You're too busy not to pray, right? It's easy that when stuff comes at us that we're not ready for, we, we say, well, we can let go of that. I can do less of that. Make sure you know prioritizing what is most important to hold on to. And so they were delegating away the responsibilities that didn't have to pertain to them. They were actually bringing on other men who could come and learn in the service and the ministry. They chose to select seven men to handle this responsibility. And what were the conditions? What were the qualities for these seven men? The three qualities for seven men, they were to be of good repute, full of the spirit, and full of wisdom. Those are the three qualities that I want to look at today. And the first one 
with repute, good repute. Number one, your reputation precedes you. Your reputation precedes you. Have you heard that phrase before? What, what does that mean? It means that what people have heard about you will impact what they think about you before you even had a chance to meet them in person. If you've treated someone poorly, maybe in the worst moment possible, you know, and it's recorded, someone sees it, it goes viral, your reputation has already taken a hit before you get to meet them. Your reputation precedes you. People make assumptions based on what they've heard or they've seen about you. And the thing about reputation is that it means what everyone thinks about you. Your reputation is not just the people that are close to you, what they think about you. It's what everyone thinks about you. I'm not saying that you have to be a people pleaser, but you have to be aware of the way that you come across to all people. There's a great business author uh, named Patrick Lencioni. Has anybody heard of him, any of his books? He's got great business books. Because I think even if you would find business books boring, you would enjoy his books because he writes with a fable in the beginning. It starts out with a story, and then at the end there are business principles involved. And he has one book called The Ideal Team Player. Talks about the story of this company trying to build a culture as they're looking to hire people. What is the culture that we're gonna build? What are the virtues we're gonna build around our culture? And they begin to interview this one man, and he seems to have everything. He's got drive. He's hungry. He works hard. He's got great business acumen. And they begin to call the different, uh, different people to references that he had to hear what they would say. And they begin to hear good things from all the people at the top of the organizations. But anytime they talk to somebody that was lower in the organization, that you know they were at an entry-level position, they didn't have as many nice things to say about him. There weren't as many warm and fuzzies from him. Because what they found out was this man knew who to be nice to and who he could disregard. He knew who he had to butter up and be kind to and who was insignificant to him and he could treat poorly. See, we have to, our reputation includes what everyone thinks about us. That man didn't get the job because they said, we want somebody who's hungry and driven. Yes, we want somebody with wisdom, but we want somebody who's humble as well. We want somebody who's going to be kind to every single person. What is your reputation at work? Your coworkers? What does your employer think about you? What do the employees think about you? What is your reputation by your family? They see you in public and see how you act around everyone else. Is that the same way that you act and behave at home and private? What is your reputation? What's your reputation when no one that you know is watching? What's your reputation if someone were to see you driving? <laughs> I'm, sometimes I'm sad that I have a very noticeable red RAV4, if anybody can see me driving around occasionally. What is your reputation if you were to be seen at the grocery store? I gotta tell it myself a little bit. When I'm at the grocery store, 
I don't want to be in a large crowd of people looking for items because Costco has changed where everything's at every couple of days just to mess with me. I want to get out of that store as fast as I possible, possibly can. I've got AirPods in, and I'm looking at the most effective, succinct route in that grocery store. And I want to apologize to those who have seen me in the grocery store and have looked at him and like, Matt does not look happy. He, he does not look like he wants to be here. He does not look like, look like he's ready to witness to anybody. I had Bethany one time tell me, she was like, I saw you leaving Costco, but I didn't say how because you looked like you were on a mission. And I was like, I, I'm sorry if I come across that way. I need to be more aware of my surroundings. What is our reputation when you don't think anyone's watching? It, it's tough when people can see you at one point in your life, and they base all of what they believe about you on that one example. I know for some of us, I know for myself for sure, as a teenager, there were times I was not quite mature. I was a little competitive. I was rude. John, don't, don't nod your head so much, please. People can see. I was told by John, you, you were a jerk sometimes. You were a jerk sometimes, you know. It's like, I'm sorry. I wish I could go back and change things. I wish I was a perfect person. I'm not. But some of those people that knew me from the teenage years, that's all they know about me. And that's all I know about them. Your reputation precedes you. After the disciples, they first mentioned a person of good repute. They mentioned wisdom and spirit. But our reputation first, are we known as being good men and women that love God by the way we love people around us. After good repute, it said, people full of wisdom, seven godly men full of wisdom and full of the spirit. Our second point today is that we need less wise guys and more wise men. We need less wise guys. Less guys that think they know what they're talking about. They think they know what they're doing. Now, before I talk about wise men, can I tell one dad joke about wise men real fast? Real fast, okay? You see, uh, three wise men were walking into a barn, and they see Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus. And Joseph asks them, you know, why are you guys disturbing us right now? Me and my wife, we, we've just given birth. We need some rest. And, and the first wise man says, I, I brought gold for the child. And Joseph thanks him, and he, but then he says, okay, but now I, I need you to leave. Please, will you leave? And the second wise man says, I, I brought frankincense for the child. And again, Joseph thanked him, he said, but, but he was starting to get annoyed as, as they were interrupting this special moment. And he said, please, will you leave me and my wife alone? And, and, and then the third wise man said, but wait, there's murder. murder. <laughs> Come on, you think that's good. You're going to tell that to somebody later. I know you are. You're acting like you're above that. But Wisdom. We need less wise guys, more wise men. We know we need some wise men in our life. We need some wise men in our governments. We need some wise men in our businesses. We need some wise men in our schools. And we need some wise men in our homes. And before I continue on, I want to say that this is Father's Day. I'm gearing this towards men. But ladies, this is absolutely applicable to you. We need wise women in our, in our government, in our schools, in our workplace, in our homes, okay? Don't get me wrong. We need both. But I'm focusing on dads today, focusing on the men. And I believe wisdom has to start in the home. Because we need husbands to lead their families 
in the home. We need dads in the home. Do you know the statistics of fatherless homes? Have we seen some of those statistics? There are plenty out there. I'm going to show you just three real facts to remind ourselves. Number one, a child without a father in the home, they are five times more likely to commit suicide. They are 10 times more likely to use drugs. They are 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Someone without a father in the home, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There are way more statistics out there you could look up. 1 Corinthians 11, it says that the husband has the responsibility to lead his home, to lead his wife. And I want to encourage you with this. When it talks about a man being a leader in the home, this is not leadership as defined by the world. Leadership by the world would say, you dominate the home, you tell them it's my way, this is how we're doing things. How did Jesus model leadership? Servant, Servant leadership. That is how we are supposed to lead our homes, serving the people that we love the most. We are to serve those in need. The Bible says that the head of the home is the man, but take heart because Jesus is the head of the husband. Jesus is the overall head of the home. And we need some godly men to take the lead with wisdom in our homes. Dad, you have a very difficult job and you need wisdom. And the Bible tells you where you can get it. I'm going to give you an Old Testament reference and a New Testament reference. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. It says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. God is ready to give you the wisdom that you need. Are you listening for the knowledge he wants to give you? Are you getting into the word of God to receive the knowledge and the instruction he wants to give you? All you have to do is ask. James 1 verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. If you feel like you're lacking wisdom to lead your family, ask God. You feel like you're lacking wisdom to lead your business? Ask God. If you're lacking wisdom to perform the best at your job, ask God. Because it says he will give generously to all who ask. Now I can tell you sometimes the wisdom that God gives you, sometimes he gives it to you in a practical form. What I mean by that is that God might give you wisdom in that instant moment. But if you're struggling with something, he might give you wisdom through different avenues. You're dealing with some anger problems, God might give you wisdom through going through an anger management course. If you're dealing with some struggles in parenting, there might be a godly parenting book out there for you to read. If you're struggling with an addiction, you might need to join a godly counsel group, a counseling session to go through that. Don't ask God for the wisdom and then neglect the avenues through which he's trying to provide for you. You hear me? You understand? Don't use it as a, as a, as a cop-out that God every time will automatically download something to you. Sometimes we have to choose to develop it. Be willing to cultivate your prayer life. Be willing to cultivate reading the spirit-inspired word of God. There is wisdom in the Bible for us men. I'm telling you, every single year that I go through the book of Proverbs, I get more out of it. I'm just flipping through, I'm like, oh, that's so true. 
it becomes more and more relevant in my life the more I read it. Because I see more example, examples from my life. I'm like, yep, I saw that. Yep, that's true. I saw that happen. The book of Proverbs, there's wisdom in the word of God. You see, dads, I'm not asking you to have it all together. I'm not asking you to know the answer to every question. I'm simply asking you to know where you can go when you have the questions. I'm simply telling you there's a God that cares so much about you. There's a good and an incredible father that anytime you have a question, he's available to come and, and to give you the wisdom that you need for those situations. Be full of wisdom. Build yourself up in wisdom and be practically prepared. But lastly, I also want you meant to be spiritually prepared. The last point is to have spirit street smarts. Spirit street smarts. You can get your book smarts from the wisdom, but you need your street smarts from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes situations come up very quickly, right guys? Once the commercial life comes at you fast, sometimes you don't have a moment to say, oh, let me go see that book that I've been reading tells me about this situation. In a moment, you need to say, Holy Spirit, I need you right now. I need to be spirit-filled right now. You need to be spiritually minded. It means that you have the joy of the Holy Spirit when trials come. It, it means that you have the love that goes beyond your ability and your capacity when you've asked your child multiple times to take out the trash and do the right thing, to have a love and a patience for them that goes beyond your own capacity at that time. It means that you recognize when a situation is far beyond the physical, there's a spiritual weight to the situation. Reminding yourselves that you're not waging war against people, but that there's a spiritual battle at war. The Holy Spirit desires to guide you through the circumstances of life. He wants to guide you in your workplace and say, I've got to check in my spirit that that's not a good investment for us as a company. I don't know what it is or something. I don't think that's the direction we're supposed to, to go. I don't think that's the person we're supposed to hire. Son, I, I don't think you should go to that party tonight. I've just got, I've got to check in my spirit. Being full of the spirit to be aware of those situations. And to have the boldness to say yes or to say no. As the spirit leads you. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the apostles chose seven men of good reputation, filled with the Spirit, filled with wisdom. And look what happens as a result of that. Look at verse 5. It says, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. Just got to stay there for a second because I love that word gathering. What they said pleased the whole gathering. And then they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Procurus and Nicanor, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. What is the result of seven men 
the Magnificent Seven that were chosen for their good reputation, for being full of the wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit. These seven men helped serve the widows, and it allowed the Word of God to increase, for disciples to be multiplied, and even the priests acknowledged Christ as King. All of this happened because seven men stepped up. The Word of God was able to be taught effectively because everyone was operating in a thoughtful system where dele delegation took place and men became responsible and then people believed and there was a great spread of the gospel that even priests, people that if they chose to believe in Jesus would be ostracized, they would be taken away from their prestigious position, even those people got saved because seven men stepped up to the plate. And I wonder today if there are some dads here at the gathering who are prepared to lead their wives, to lead their children into the teaching of the Word of God. I wonder if there are some men that are prepared to disciple the younger men and to be an example of Christ in the workplace. Because signs and wonders are meant to be performed through men of God. Read the last verse with me. Brett, would you come up as we close? Verse 8 says this. And Stephen, he was one of the seven, Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. I had to show you that last verse because power, the theme of our series. These are men in the scripture that were full of power because they had a good reputation, they were full of the spirits, and they were full of wisdom. You see, being full of the spirit and wisdom is not in order to gain power for us to live life the way we want to, to do whatever I want to do and not care about anyone else. It's power to serve. It's power to love people. Dads, are we seeking the power of the Holy Spirit? to be focused on a good reputation, full of wisdom and the spirit. A few months ago, we were on a series called House of Prayer. The last point, the last week of that series, we talked about praying in the spirit. There's something powerful about having our own spirit language to connect with God. It can't be interrupted, it can't be thwarted by the enemy. And I gave a call. I said, hey, if you've not been filled with that spirit, prayer language, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. I had one man walk to the front, tears in his eyes, and he came forward and he said, I need the power of the Holy Spirit because my kids are they're counting on me as a single dad. And I don't know how to help them sometimes. I don't know what to do sometimes. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. And we prayed. I think this dad was just so hungry. In like a minute, he was speaking in tongues, continuing to pray, continuing to cry, cry out to his father, his heavenly father, for more of God to help him be the single dad that his kids needed. And that's not even the end of the story. I texted him later that week, see how he was doing, if he was continuing to pray in his prayer language. And he sent me back this text. 
He said, I texted my mom and sister after church. And my mom said that dad prayed specifically that I would have an absolute encounter with God today. Think about that. There's a dad that wasn't here praying for his son to encounter God. His son came forward desperate because he wanted to be the best dad for his kids. I'm telling you, when we start this momentum with a desire starting with me, saying I'm going to be a man of God full of wisdom and the spirit, it can trickle down for years and generations and ages to come. Can it start here today with us? I'm thankful for godly men that choose to pray, asking God to help them in their faith walk. I also know that I was very fortunate growing up with a godly man and my dad to look up to. And I know not everyone has had that experience. We don't all have the same, same story. Some of us didn't have a dad that was close to the Lord. Some of us have a dad that left. Some of us have a dad that passed away. This week has been difficult for some of us because we lost a good friend in a construction accident. And he passed away, leaving his wife and three children behind. It's been something a lot of us have been grieving, I'm sure. But the confidence I have is I know that the church always can rise up and take the place when someone is gone. Because you don't have to be a biological father to make an impact on someone's life. You don't have to be biologically their brother to make an impact on someone's life. Amen. Amen. And so as we close today, I've never done an altar time like this. But if you, you're saying, I need more of God in my life. It's as simple as that. I need more of the full of spirit, full of wisdom to be a dad, to be a father, to be a man of God. Would you stand up today and say, that's me. I want to take a step walk in a step in faith to be a man after God's own heart. I want to have that type of mentality. I want more faith. I want more wisdom, more of the Spirit of God. Men, if that's you, would you stand up today? Say, I want to be more of a man of God in my life, in my workplace, in my home. If you're close to another guy, would you just put an arm on a shoulder or something? Wives, if you're close, you want to put a hand on your spouse, on a guy nearby. Can we just pray together for these men? There's an attack on our men in this world. You know that? The messages that are coming, that they're not good enough, that they're nothing more than a comedic uh, sitcom dad, that is not what the Bible says about our men. They have to be a good reputation, full of the Spirit, and full of wisdom. God, right now, we pray a blessing over the men of God in this room. We thank you that they are here and they are investing into your kingdom and into their families' lives. I pray that you would protect them from the attacks of the enemy. I pray that you would prosper them, that you would fill them up with your wisdom, that they would just have a desire to be more wise, to be filled with the word of God so that when instances come in their life, they're ready with the memorized scripture that they've got into their heart, that they've hidden in their hearts. I pray that you'd help all of us that in every area of our life we would be aware of the reputation that we carry. That we want to have a reputation of a godly man, 
of integrity, of love, of joy. And I pray that you would fill up your, your men with the spirit of, of God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. Fill them up with your spirit today. That in moments when they need the answer and they don't have it, they know where to call. They would strengthen themselves in the Lord and you would cause their way to prosper. God, we pray a blessing over our men today. Everyone, if you would stand up as we close this whole room. As I've said, this is a message for our men, but it's a message for everyone, right? Ladies, we need you to be full of wisdom, full of the spirit, just as much, full of good reputation. God, I pray a blessing over this day. We thank you that we've come to celebrate you, to worship you. We thank you for what could be deemed as a reckless love. That it would abandon all else. It would leave the 99 for the one. That's the type of love that you give to us. And so today we are chasing after you. And we bless you today. Thank you for this time of worship and the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. The gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.